Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Ports from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. And my mission is to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com and follow me on twitter.com slash coachandrew. Tonight, if you have a question, we will uh, be answering phone calls here. The phone number is 646-929-2893, and that's only if you're calling right now on the day of the show. If you're listening to this on a podcast, you missed your opportunity. Uh, If you call in, you'll be able to listen to the show on the phone and if you have a question, press 1. Number 1 will let me know that you have a question. I will see a little hand up. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. My guest tonight is Guy Pransetter, who is a very talented musician, singer-songwriter, a tattoo artist, and he's someone who is driven to help at-risk and special needs children at YCS, Youth Consultation Services. Uh, he's somebody who is really out there to make a difference in the world with his music, and he's a, a really amazing man, and I'm uh, really lucky to have him on the show tonight. Guy, are you with us? I am indeed. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, man. So tonight we're going to be uh, playing some of your music as well. And uh, your band is called Stellar Ego, right? Indeed, yes, sir. And uh, where can, first of all, where can people find you and your band? Well, I guess the easiest way is to go to StellarEgo.com. Mm-hmm. www.stellarego.com, or you know, or Facebook. You know, Facebook's a, a really well-known place that people can find uh, anything easily. So it's www.facebook.com forward slash Stellar Ego Music. Nice. So are you, are you telling me you don't do MySpace these days? <laughs> how how nice! How how two thousands of me? Um. Un- unbelievable! Right? How, <laughs> how quickly that star burned out. Right, unbelievable is right. It is, so, really. So this is, now your CD is called Fear of Flying. Is this your first CD? Well, this is the first CD I did with this lineup. You know, I put this lineup together um, in 2010, let's say. The, you know, the end of 2009, um, where I met, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty interesting story because uh, it was Dave Rudbar, who is also um, a life coach. He's a good friend of ours. And, uh, you know, I was just kind of complaining, like, Dave, man, I'm a good songwriter. I don't you know, but I can't find anybody to play. I don't know what to do. And he just, you know, he's like, shut up and just, you know, put an ad in the paper and just ask, you know, enroll people in your music, man, and stop complaining. And um, that's what I did, you know. I mean, I, I put a little ad in uh, on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I, um, I, I, because I put that ad on, I kept, like, sort of trolling Craigslist every day. And I found this ad by a guy named Ben Kogan who said, you know, hey, are you a singer-songwriter and can't get anybody to play your music? <laughs> and, and I said, well, hey, that's me. He, he had this thing, this this ad worded uh, in such a way that it was like, you know, I had my head going, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, that's me, uh-huh, right, that's me. You know, he totally sold me. But he, you know, he uh, he's, a, he's my bass player now. Wow. And, um, you know, we became really good friends. You know, I answered his ad and he, you know, um, we built a friendship and a relationship, and then he found a drummer for us and put together really the lineup. Uh, we started putting together the lineup that is right now called Stellar Ego, and that's where the CD came from. 
Wow, that's that's an amazing story. And by the way, uh, Dave Redbarg has been twice a guest on this show. Right, no doubt. So so nice to give him a, a shout out tonight. So um, you personally have uh, quite a story. Uh, some of your backstory and like how how you came to be in this world and some of the things that have brought you to where you are today. I'd love to hear some. Uh, um, some stuff about that, you know, particularly in the area of growing up. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's no secret. You know, I've never, uh, you know, I've never, you know, been really shy about, um, you know, how my life began. Um, you know, my life began, you know, very, very turbulent. You know, I was born into this world um, with, you know, with with a couple, couple challenges to work through, you know. Um, I was born um, into, you know, parents who, who really weren't really prepared to be parents, and um, me and my two brothers ended up in in foster homes and awarded to the state of New Jersey, and and it was a long road, you know. Like my two brothers were adopted, I never saw them again. We were like four, three, and two, and um, I was the oldest, and I ended up, you know, in in an institution that was really, really run poorly, and uh, I, I really didn't, you know, I didn't have anyone else in my life at the time, you know, to, so I had no other family, really, that, that would that would take me, and I thought I was going to end up in the system I, and, and for the rest of my life, and what ended up happening is um, my mom, you know, halfway got her stuff together and uh, and was awarded me, just me back to her, so... I ended up like after this year and a half of just being, you know, in foster homes and in, in these few institutions, um, you know, I ended up being awarded back to my mother, and you know, it it was a difficult time. You know, I never really felt like she really, you know, really really wanted me there, and I ended up, you know, becoming a younger adolescent with a lot, and getting in a lot of trouble, and um, then started creating my own situations, you know, drugs and and uh, put myself in dangerous situations, ending up in, um, you know, uh, getting institutionalized and getting taken out of my house and um, and just a few different situations like that until I finally, uh, you know, I was either I had a crossroads, that, you know, with the courts where I had to either choose, you know, either I was going to, um, at the time they were doing this a lot, but they don't do it anymore, but I either was going to... Um, uh, join the you know, military, or I was going to go to to um, prison, mm-hmm. and um, so you know I chose to go in the military, of course, and um, you know I I often think back, man, I probably should have went to prison. Oh my god, because it, it was tough, man. I joined the Marine Corps, and you know it was really tough, and they did straighten me out. You know they straightened me out, so uh, I did get some of my life back together as a result of that. Um, but you know the, the, that part of my life, you know, was was never there was never any sense of real like peace or security uh, when I was you know was in my my mother's home. You know, there was never a sense of peace or security. I never felt really at home. I never felt like I fit in or I was a part of that. Or I never felt like I was I fit in anywhere uh, except you know when it came to music. You know, I started playing music. You know, uh, how did you come to play the music? How, how did you, you know, where did that come from? Well, you know, like uh, when when you're a young adolescent, you know, and very insecure like I was, I was really insecure and didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. The easiest, you know, place to fit into is, is sort of with kids like that are like 
sort of derelict, you know, and that's what I was. I became, it was easy to fit in there. You didn't have to, you know, excel in school or excel at sports. or didn't have to do any of that. So I started hanging around with more, you know, derelict kind of kids. And um, a lot of them were musicians. <laughs> and, okay. uh, you know, it's you know, just kind of the way it was. And I started getting the bug, you know, and, and I, um, and um, my, my, my stepbrother, at the time, he had this old beat-up drum set, and I started coming home every day and playing it, you know, and just, uh, it was like a, it was like a, a way of just you know, escaping, you know, and I just put the headphones on, I put music on, like 1972 or so, so, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of progressive music was, was popular, and, man, I just started playing music, and, and I found that, like, man, this was like a place that I could really, like, hide and and really just escape you know and that's really what i started out using music for and playing drums and were you a, a good drummer oh i'm a great drummer really see i've never i've played. never seen you play drums so i'm not familiar with it <laughs> yeah it's funny i play drums probably better than i do anything else outside of maybe songwriting like i, I know i really believe in my in my ability to craft a song mm-hmm. um but um, as a musician, like you know, my my most I'm most proficient at playing drums. I could play with anybody, just about anywhere. Just walk in and sit behind the kit and fit in, you know, play. And did you receive any training or instruction, or did you just figure it out? I did not. I just I came home every day, and I put the headphones on and I mm-hmm. played, and I just played and played and played, and I just figured it out, you know. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That is really amazing. But you also play guitar. Yeah, so that's a that's a whole. I didn't start playing guitar at all. I was like forty four. Um, I was afraid of the guitar. I tried a couple times and it was unsuccessful. And I never again, like not really. I'm not never really taking lessons. You know, I just I would pick it up and try to figure it out. But I would never be. Guitar is much harder to just figure out. You know, it's you know it's a very frustrating instrument. So yeah. Um, uh, as you know, because you're a very good guitar player. So and, the, thank you. Uh, and by the way, I I, I never <laughs> took a lesson. So, so I, I, guitarist to me is drums are to you. I guess. And I, and I can't yeah. play. I cannot play the drums. I mean, if I had to save my life with a drum beat, I might really be in trouble. Right. <laughs> Rim shot, maybe I can do it. It's about it. Well, maybe a couple lessons, man. I'll give you a couple lessons. You give me a couple That'd be great. lessons. Okay. Great. Be fair trade. <laughs> So, now, when did you start writing songs? Well, when I started playing, you know, I, I have been singing. I about um, in my in my mid twenties, in my early to mid twenties, I um, I had I, I made a decision. You know, I wanted to learn how to sing, and I actually did go to, to singing lessons. I, I got a really amazing singing teacher, um, and I just decided that you know, I really wanted to sing. I, I didn't know how. I was a terrible singer. I had no. No range, let's say. I mean, I had some pitch, and I guess I had some tone, but I had no range. Didn't know how to develop the voice, and you know, I didn't have a naturally developed voice. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I started training vocally, and um, you know, so I started doing that, and then you know, auditioning for bands and getting into bands. And I was in a band, in bands in the '80s, more hair kind of metal bands in the '80s, and but I never knew how to play guitar, so I really didn't understand where my voice fit in the range of what it, you know, like, what it was really good at, like, where my voice was really good at, so I didn't understand the the keys or anything, so I more or less had to fit myself into whatever that band or that guitar player, like, played, and normally they would play 
a very standard place where, you know, um, you know, my voice was not very effective. I needed to be in the lower key, right? So mm-hmm. I would, you know, constantly struggle with fitting in, but I didn't know why. And consequently, it wasn't very successful. I did a couple of big, a big uh, tours with a couple of really cool bands in the 80s, but never really broke out. But what I did do then was started to write songs, you know, and I started to write lyrics and I started to talk about, you know, the things that happened to me in my life and how I felt about my life and how I felt about my experiences. And I started to see that, like, man, if I'm just, like, tell the truth, I just say what's real for me, like, people get it, you know. Um, I wasn't really, like, a, a wordsmith or, you know, really, you know, deeper, uh, um, you know, in, in being able to craft words and put words together. But I just told the truth in my songs, you know, and people were like, wow, this is a good song. I really get it. And, I mean, that's where it began. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did that maybe 10 years, you know, like of just cra- trying to craft songs and learn how to do it better. But I didn't play guitar. Okay. And I started playing guitar when I really said, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to play guitar and I'm going to write songs, which was maybe three years ago, uh, two and a half, three years ago, maybe three years ago. I, um, you know, it all changed because now I could put chords to my melodies. Now I could be the, the, you know, I could be the author of it, the full, you know, fully in control of where this thing is going to land and go, you know, so... That was the biggest difference since 19, uh, since 2000 and say 2009. I must have written maybe 200 songs, maybe maybe more. Say that, say that number again. Since like 2009, mm-hmm. you know, the middle of 2009, I've probably written over 200 200 plus songs. That that is a prodigious output, to say yeah. the least. Guy, what is the the first song that you are proud of that you wrote? First song that I'm proud of that I wrote yeah. um, is, uh, let's see, my, you know, when my son was born, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wrote a song that was on like a solo record I did. But again, I didn't play guitar at the time, but I really, like the lyrics of this song, you know, really spoke to me. Um, and really gave me the ability to communicate how I was feeling. I mean, if you ever had a kid, you know, it's like those emotions just come like like full-on thrust, you know. Um, and uh, I, I wrote this song called Heaven, and, and I, you know, I, it was a, you know, it's kind of like how the, the context of the song was like how, you know, this gift that I was given, you know, in my son, like seeing him born as if he came from heaven, you know. Wow. Yeah, I actually got a, a, a request from the chat room to ask about your guitar playing son. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to always overshadow me, man, and I'm okay with that. Oh, oh yeah? <laughs> yeah, he's he's amazing. But, but he's not going to give you lessons? He could give me lessons. Huh? He's way beyond oh, my really? ability. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he plays in my band. Oh, that's great. How old is your son? He's 15. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been playing guitar for about about three years too. And and he's but he's been like you know he's a very very natural lead guitar player. And yeah. He's got amazing ability to to just duplicate anything he hears. Plus, um, 
you know, really, uh, he's very passionate about it. And, um, you know, he's he's had a lot of great opportunities. You know, he's he's got to play with the guys in my band who are all professional musicians, you know, from, from the uh, University of Miami. Every one of them graduated, you know, uh, college mm-hmm. for music and, and they teach him and they show him and um but uh, he's had, he has a great teacher his name is Ross Barada uh, he's from Clifton and um he's a rock star that one oh really ah uh, yeah forget it he's he's just he's just a rock star oh that's great is he, is, it, is he featured on your album he is featured on my album a song called Gasoline that, uh the funny story about Gasoline that was like Maybe the first song I wrote for this record, Fear of Flying, and and uh, it was just came out of me like within I don't know six seven minutes the whole song was crafted right, mm-hmm. and um, but it was missing a hook it was missing a riff you know uh, all the way up until the very last you know uh, recording session where I brought Zen my son into the recording session to sort of hang out. And listen, and you know, watch the other guys, and you know, pick up a few tips and this and that, and and uh, he started playing the one of the beginning riffs um, as just like to play along with the song that was being you know played over the loudspeakers. And I said, mm-hmm. stop! I said, stop! Everybody, said, stop! Said, play, play that riff again, man. Play it right now. And he played it, and I'm like, that's it, bro. And um, and we recorded it right there on the spot, and it's on the it's the very it's like the the very intro uh, riff of the song, not the not the not the rhythm, but the, when that guitar comes in, that's him. Mm-hmm. Wow, it sounds like a like a movie version of a song being made, by the way, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> Did you anybody come in and yell more cowbell? That's what I'd like to know. Exactly, no more cowbell. We're done with the cowbell. Okay, well, you know what? I think I'd like to play that very song right now. How, yeah, how that'd be that? awesome. That'd be okay, great. here we go. Stellar Ego and Gasoline.
big sounds of stellar ego here on Block Talk Radio. I feel like a radio guy now. Run, <laughs> Bundy! Okay, that's what I throw that in. <laughs> very nice. Thank, Thank you, you very that. much. That was great, man. Thank wow. You. So I understand from uh, talking to you that your passion when it comes to music, you're not about how can I make money making music, but how can I change the world making music? Yeah, you know, it began um, for me because, for the most part, like music isn't how I make my living, you know, uh, but I really respect and appreciate other people who that's, you know, that's how they make their living, and, you know, I want to support that. You know, but it was never a way for me to make a living, um, and it hasn't been. And maybe it will be someday, but mm-hmm. um, I'm a tattoo artist. I own a tattoo shop, and um, that's how I make, I earn my living in the world, and, um, but for music for me was about how I can be a full-on self-expression of who I really am and, you know, how can I make a difference? How can I use my music, you know, to support causes? To not It's not just even that, but it's also like in how I say who I am through my music, how can other people get, you know, a positive and powerful message that they hear for themselves and, and how can I support causes and make a difference and, uh, that's what I started doing. You know, I started using my music to, um, you know, you know, put it in and put other things in the limelight and and start to, uh, you know, bring attention to, you know, some needy causes, um, especially with this record. You know, because I've been trying to to really promote it from the perspective of, you know, um, like music can make a difference. Mm. You know. So tell me some of the ways you've been able to make a difference with your music. Well, um, in the state of New Jersey, you know, I'm very, very supportive of an organization called uh, YCS, which is Youth Consultation Services, and they take care of about 3,000 kids around the state of New Jersey, and we're always doing fundraising, you know, uh, just, you know fundraising um, for them. We have a big project that's called the Big Camp Project for YCS, where we're uh, um, raising money to buy, build, and create a, summer, a year-round summer camp uh, for those children, so that they can have, you know, and feel and experience the healing power of nature, um, and be outside and like really understand any kid, like really, but really kids in at-risk situations can uh, can enjoy, you know, being outside and being whole and free, like you know, in, in the outdoors and uh, every one of our shows, you know, we like, you know, we, we uh, do what we can to bring YCS on board and have them, you know, be, be a part of that. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and why that organization part. in particular? Well, in particular, you know, they're very, they're very much, when I first got involved, it was really because I saw myself and all these little kids, you know, of course, I mean, I, I, I was never in YCS exactly. Uh, they weren't they weren't really um, in business when I was in the system, um, but I was in a system that um, was a state-run system and it was horrible. And I saw the good work that YCS was doing, taking care of the kids in a way that I don't remember being taken care of and treated in a way I don't remember being treated, having their needs met in a way that I don't remember ever having you know my needs met. And I just said, man, I got to do something here. And I started to get involved more or less to maybe heal myself a little, you know, mm. and get connected to the kids, you know, and and do something to help the kids. And the and the camp project 
was a way to do that. And, um, you know, since then, I mean, we do a Christmas party every year, a big Christmas party where we have music and, and we give all the kids gifts and we create a big, big party. And uh, we're doing a big, our annual Walk for YCS, which is usually in October. It's going to be October 9th this year. Uh, it's going to be at Overpeck, the new Overpeck Park in uh, Richfield Park, New Jersey. They have a gigantic outdoor band shell and a big walking park. Uh, we're going to have like 15 bands. We're going to have, it's going to be like an outdoor Woodstock, I think we're calling it uh, Walkstock, YCS Walkstock. Wow. It's going to be like an outdoor Woodstocky kind of festival. We have a big giant lawn where people can set up, you know, blankets and just hang out. And um, so it's going to be amazing. And that's going to be a fundraising event that we're doing uh, coming up soon here in October. You know, October 9th is a big day in rock and roll history. Do you know why? No, tell me. That's the date of birth of John Lennon. No kidding. No kidding. All right. When I well, hear October ninth. I think John Lennon. So that's, I think that's a great day for you to be doing something like that. Nice. Well, we're going to include that in the uh, in the um, the marketing. Yeah, he would have been uh, seventy one on that right. day. Wow. wow. So is, is there like a website for this? Do you have a specific thing? So if we want to put that out there right now, anybody like to uh, participate? This is well, it will always be www.walkforycs.com, mm-hmm. and uh, that may not be up yet. You know, okay. we don't keep it up year-round. We do we do the walk once a year, so we, we don't generally keep it up year-round. It's up usually six months, so it may not be up and running right now, but it will always be the same, walkforycs.com. Okay, great. That, that's yeah. awesome. Wow. I want to also, uh, you know, you talked about, tattooing and that's that your living I'd love to find out how did you become a tattoo artist and tell me more about that uh, well becoming a tattoo artist is a is a process you know it's not uh, not an easy process it's not a you know um, it's very challenging you know and in, in the in the uh, late 80s uh, 1987 when I was you know, I was just, I was kind of lost, you know, I didn't really know what to do, I was in bands, trying to make it as a musician, trying to figure out what, you know, how to justify myself in the world, what the heck I was going to do, and, uh, and I stumbled upon an opportunity when I met a woman at the gym, and we became friends, and she started to tattoo me, and, uh, we became more friends, and then, you know, one day she just said, you know, um, for the most part, listen, you know, you'd be a really great tattoo artist, I'm looking for an apprentice, why don't you, um, you know, consider it? And I just said, uh, well, what does that mean? And I started coming around and, like, starting to see what it might be, if it might be possible for me, because I never imagined myself being a tattoo artist, so I didn't really know I could do it, you know? And I just learned that, like, man, any, I mean, if you really want to do anything, I mean, I could learn how to become a tattoo artist, man, mm-hmm. you know? And I started the next two years of my life on an apprenticeship, and, you know, I worked really hard at it, um, I worked every day at it, and most of the time I worked at it, you know, it was like I was doing things that had nothing to do with tattooing. I was earning my apprenticeship, you know. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I washed her car, I cleaned her house, I mowed her lawn. I did did she call you Daniel-san? Dan, uh, Guy-san. Daniel-san. <laughs> Wash the fence. <laughs> well, wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Tattoo on. Nope, tattoo on doesn't come up. <laughs> Yep. 
Wow. And that's how it began, you know. And then I started, you know, working in the shop, you know. And I remember when I, and I tell, I have a, I actually have, you know, a tattoo apprenticeship training program uh, in my business that I, you know, I train other people to be tattoo artists now. And the first thing I tell people is, man, the day that I exchanged money for a tattoo was the last day of my life I ever worked. I never worked another day. That's amazing. You That's know? a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Man. How many people, like, live their life doing something that they just love doing and it isn't even like work? Mm-hmm. You know? So. Now, were you, yeah. were you uh, an artist or artistic before you became a tattoo artist? I mean, I mean, I wasn't trained, you know. I didn't go to art school. I didn't do mm-hmm. anything like that. Could I do something? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I designed out, you know, CD covers and I was going to say eight track or album covers to date myself a little bit. Eight track, okay. <laughs> wow. Um, You're yeah, older you know, than you look, like my friend. That. I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, I did stuff like that, but I never, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was a trained artist or anything. You know, I tell people all the time, listen, man. You know, you can learn how to do anything, man. You can just learn. You can learn how to mm-hmm. do anything. You really want to. Absolutely. Why not? I'm taking up dancing right now. Are you? Yeah. Uh, we'll see about that. Yeah, well, you know, I have three left feet, so it's going to be a little more challenging than usual. I look forward to seeing that, man. <laughs> okay, that will be on YouTube, no doubt. Uh-huh. So, um... So what are some of the, the things you've done in tattooing that you're really amazed by, or that you've amazed people with? I mean, well, I mean, portraits are always amazing. You know, somebody comes in and they have a picture of their mom, their dad, their kid that died, or something, something like that. You know, heavy stuff like that. You know, those are always like they're really like challenging, scary. You know, they make you, they make you know, you stand up and pay attention a little bit more. Like somebody comes in and wants. You know, C-39 Panther off the wall, I can do it with my eyes closed, you know. I don't even have to look at the thing. I could draw it, do it, and tattoo it in 20 minutes, you know. Yeah. Um, when they come in with a picture of their mother, you know, that has to look exactly like their mother, you know, like, I start, you know, that's that's a whole other level of paying attention, you know. So, you know, those are always great to do. They're always challenging. Um, and I do them, you know, uh, with as much passion and, and precision and, uh, expertise as I can, the best that I can, you know. Like I do everything. So, so what 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 does that process look like of getting somebody's mom's face from picture to wherever on the body? Yeah, I mean it's it you know, this all starts with the picture, you know, like it has to be a good a really good picture. Sometimes people will bring in these like nineteen twenty nine you know, with this the you know, the picture of their mom their face is at the size of an eraser and they want you to duplicate that on their, you know, rib cage. You know, I mean, it's like it's really hard. You know, you can't yeah. do it that way. You know, you can't blow that picture up big enough, to, you know, for it to really be able to pull out the identical features of that person. So, sure. You know, um, so it always, always begins with the picture. The best picture mm. you bring me, you know, the best picture you're going to get, the best tattoo you're going to get. So, you know, then, you, you know, it's a process of taking out all of the features, you know, blowing it up really big and then, Pulling out all of the features, tracing out all of the features, and um, transferring that tracing that often looks like uh, it, it, it often does not look like the person, you know, because it's all just shadows and features, and you know, um, so it doesn't really look like them. And when you put it on them, people look like like that's going to be my mother, like you know, I don't know, man, it don't look like her. But 
you know, once you start filling in the shadows and filling in the features and the wrinkles and, the, the, you know, the eyes are always the most important thing because they'll always mm-hmm. tell the story, you know, sure. they always will tell the story. You do the eyes right and get some of the other stuff wrong, you'll still be you'll still be perfect, you know. It'll still look great. Wow. So anybody listening, if you you're in the market for a tattoo as well as for great music, you've come to the right place. Where could somebody come and get a tattoo from you? Uh, you can come to my shop, 286 First Street in Jersey City, New Jersey, Body and Soul Tattoo, and um, you know we're there seven days a week from. Uh, noon till 9 p.m. Nice. So guess what? It's, it is raining, pouring right now in New York City. Yeah. And what does that make you think of? It feels like rain, man. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. 
Stellar Ego here on WBTR in New York. Awesome, man. Thank you for that. Love oh, that my song. Pleasure. I want to hear I want to hear how that song came to be on this very rainy night. Yeah, that song, uh, you know, it's a it's a, you know, basic girl gag kind of thing, you know, this this uh girl that I was seeing from uh, California, man. I was just mad crazy about her. And um and then uh she was mad crazy about me and then she wasn't, you know, just like that. That's how it happened. And uh, I just felt like everything was dark and and the rain was like never going to end. The feelings of like, you know, being just, you know, lost. So that song actually was written in like five minutes. Like literally came out exactly as it is right there on that record, like for the most part. The only difference is I I sent the rough, uh, I sent the rough track to Dave Redbard. Mm. Again, Dave Rutberg, he's all over the place, man. He doesn't he's all over my life. Yes, and he but is in the chat to... room, by the way. Oh, is he? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well I sent him the rough track and he's like, Yeah, you know, it's all right. It needs uh you know, he gave me the old you know, the Dave Rudberg, yeah, you know. And as a result of him just like really being persistent about there's something missing here, like all those layered guitars got created. They were not a part of the original arrangement, you know. So we created all those layered guitars based on Dave saying it's missing something, you know. And if he didn't say that, I probably would have thought it was great and just went with it, you know. Mm. Mm. So that's some good feedback you got. I got some great feedback. That's awesome. Yeah. And Dave asked me uh, to uh, ask you a couple of things. Uh, tell, first of all, what about the New York Tattoo School? Well, I talked a little bit about that before. That you know, the, I, what I've done in my career, you know, is is has been tr- about training. It's about you know teaching, training, developing. Um, so you know, it's just a natural evolution for me to you know to to take that on as a profession. You know, like I really looked for opportunities to do that, and and I stumbled upon you know an idea in my in my travels, you know, of creating you know an academy of uh, of higher learning. Um, in tattooing, and it's ne- it's really never been done effectively. There are there are a few of these other things out there that you know run these two week tattoo courses, but you know that's not what I do. I I have a, a long term apprenticeship training program where I work with people, help them develop you know all areas of not just their drawing or tattooing, but you know even in their life, I really help people you know like you do, you know create purpose and create you know generate. Mm-hmm passion and power in their life, you know, because so many people who are tattooists already will do everything in their power to, to discourage a new person from becoming a tattooist. They're threatened by it. Right. Unless it's like their friend or someone they think should be a tattoo artist. It's like they want to own the power of declaring who will be anointed the next tattoo artist, right? Where, um, you know, where in reality, it's it really should be something that's you know that that the person who who makes that decision is the person who wants it the most. You know, and um, so I just created an opportunity where people who want it the most man could come and learn how to do it. You know, in a very powerful, safe and uh, and um, you know methodical, systematic way. You know, mm-hmm. and it's working out great, man. I got I got ten solid students that are there. You know, forty hours a week. Um, learning how to be a tattoo artist, you know, from every aspect of the game. Wow. That's that's amazing. 
It is, man. Good stuff. Yeah, you don't even know. You don't even know how idea how amazing that is. It's like it's unheard of amazing. You know, well, that, I, uh, I think you need a little bit of a I don't know a a, a what a, a TV show or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you would think you know there's a show out right now called uh, I don't even want to say the name. I, it's like some reality show that um, that people are mistaking me for. You know, because they just do a web search, and and I, I'm very high in the Google search, so I'm one of the first ones that come up. So they think that that's me, and I'm every day I'm constantly having to re-educate people that man, this doesn't take two weeks, Brand. This takes two years, right? Like you're gonna have to invest years of your life into this if you want to do it. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's you know it's TV is great, and um I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be against uh, doing something that. Was on my terms, but I sure. certainly wouldn't. Put my, I wouldn't put myself in one of these situations where, you know, I got this TV crew telling me how to do what I do. For yeah, it's never going to happen. Okay, well, that's because you're a man of principle. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So I, I hear you have a gig coming up on August 24th in New Jersey. Yeah, it's actually like our very first real New Jersey gig. I mean, we've done some other little things here and there, but for the most part, we've been a New York-based band playing in Brooklyn and Manhattan, and, you know, I'm from New Jersey, and uh, all my guys are from Brooklyn, so we've mostly been playing in Manhattan, so here's our first opportunity, man, to play an amazing gig in Teaneck, New Jersey at Mexicali Live, which is an amazing venue, man. I mean, it's one of the most professional rock venues, um, you know, in, in, in northern New Jersey. It's really, really good. they got a great sound system and a great stage, Great uh, ambiance in the place. Great food. Uh, it's like a Mexican restaurant. You can eat and watch live rock and roll music right in front of you. Wow, I have I've not heard of that place until just now. Yeah, it's a really great place it's called Mexicali Live. It's on uh, Queen Anne Road, Queen Anne Road in Teaneck, New Jersey. And uh, if anybody has any, you know, any. Um, questions about the gig it's august 24th we're going to play at nine o'clock it's a wednesday night it's early uh but not too early and, and not too late so people can come out and um and support us i think it's like five bucks to get in if you need a ticket call me um or go to my website on facebook stellar ego anywhere stellar ego i'll get it okay great so we have a, a few other good songs here. What? Tell me a song from your new album that you'd love me to play that you have a good story for. Well, um, I think every one of them got got stories, uh, which is cool. Um, but I guess the most important story is is, uh, is a song called Shine, mm-hmm. last track on the record. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wrote the song Shine. I was invited to go to a uh, a fundraising event for an organization called Somali Mom Foundation. And Somali Mom is a woman who was, uh, as a child, was um, a prisoner in a in a brothel, and uh, she was enslaved, really, uh, a child in child slavery, and forced, uh, you know, into prostitution. And she um, escaped. Um, as a young teenager and created as a young woman an organization called Somali Mom Foundation, which has since, you know, saved about 7,000 young 
young girl, mostly young girls from prostitution all over the world. Um, and I just got really engaged in this woman and her, you know, her fight, her plight, her her story, and it was really amazing. So I went to this uh, fundraising event that my friends put on. It was on the top floor of this amazing West Side uh, building, uh, penthouse, and uh, I met all these amazing people. And as I was in this party, which really what it was, it was I was I went into this one room. And in the room was the documentary running on the wall in a film, uh, on a film wall, of the, the story of this woman. And I started watching, and I was in, in, I was just completely uh, in, in, engulfed in listening and finding out about her. And between the elevator ride down and my car, I wrote this song, and I wrote it as a tribute to her. And I've used the song. It's it's actually featured on their website. I wrote this is our first video. Our video can be found uh, on YouTube and on our website, uh, on my Facebook. It's uh, it's everywhere. Uh, it's our first video. But the most important thing about it is that they're using they're now using the idea that I created by by making a tribute song and a tribute video to inspire other musicians and other other artists all over the world to create. Uh, you know, content for this new web page that they're putting on their website all over the world, and ours is the first one. We the first one that did it, and ours is featured on it, and uh, it will be continue to be featured on it. And now that there's people in like Mozambique, you know, like making videos and creating mm. stuff, and you know, to to all out of you know what we did, and uh, I had a meeting with them, and uh, they shared this idea with me, and I just I couldn't believe it. <laughs> they're like. Um, anyway, the video, which is also on the website, is um, shot by a guy named Ali Powell, who's a really, really gifted uh, uh, videographer and director. So, Shine is a great song. I'd love it if you played that. You know, I just tell you something, it was something really fun. A lot of people don't know this, but in the music world, the, uh, you cannot uh, a copyright a, a title of a song. Uh, so you can actually have many different songs with the same name, and it just it just struck me as you you were talking about the song that uh, the very first song that Frank Sinatra ever was on a recording of was when he won the Major Bowes Amateur Hour with a group called the Hoboken Four, and the name of the song was Shine. <laughs> and it's a completely different song than yours. You would know that. I would know that. This is something that I would know. <laughs> But here I would like to play, and I'd like everybody to just relax, sit back, and because we have a nice long song called Shine from Stellar Ego. I was living in the madness, and it was too hard to tell. That I was drowning in my sadness and my own personal hell. It was a kind of my own making Designed to keep the world away And at the point of my breaking I found the courage to stay And one look in your face Was like a million stars aligned And I knew it was only in my mind Oh The world's inside and 
living from my innocence And all I thought was real I had no faith in anything I couldn't see or feel And I was looking for a meaning In the emptiness of life Show me a sign So I believe that I Never so felt more like it. a. Oh, my pleasure. I never felt more like a uh, like a, or a radio guy than I than I do tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So awesome. Somali Mom Foundation, man. Like if people want to know about it. It's it's really a great organization. It's really how I can make a difference internationally. Like YCS and what I do locally. That's great. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but we we actually donate a, pro, a portion of of that song. And have every record sold uh, to Somali Mom Foundation to help, uh, you know, prevent children from being, you know, slaves. So I have one more thing to ask you about because we only have a few more minutes left, believe it or not, in our show. Right. Um, but I was asked to ask you about how one of the best Christmas songs ever written, Christmas in New York, was written. Yeah, man, I wrote that song. That's the best Christmas song ever written. There you that go. Nobody ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> right. So how do you get how do you get people to hear the best Christmas song ever written? You know, um, you go and play it live in the middle of Times Square or uh, or at Rockefeller Center is what I did. Um, so I wrote that song a couple of years ago, maybe two, three years ago, and um, it just came to me, man. I wanted this girl like, that I was telling you about before to come back from California. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so the, the, the original name of the song was Baby, Please Come to New York for Christmas. That was the original name of it. And um, and I wrote it. Is it the same girl from uh, uh, Feels Like Rain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So now it's, yeah, it feels yeah. like snow, I guess. So. Yeah, it feels like snow. And, yeah. And, um and, uh, you know, it was just like a, a way that I was going to, like, try and get her to come back here from California. Mm. And um, and then I played it for a friend of mine, Chris, 
and Dave Redborg, again, Dave Redborg. And they were like, man, this is the best song, even New York Christmas song you ever made, man. you got to record this thing. And I did. And um, and it was great. And, I, and then I, I didn't really know how to market it. So uh, I went I went uh, into Rockefeller Center with my guitar. I almost got arrested and just, you know, started singing it right in the middle of, like, thousands of people. And I got all these people around me and, like, cheering. And I almost got arrested. Wow. But you, but you didn't, and that's a good thing. But I did it. Yeah. And did the naked cowboy uh, chime in at any point? He was nowhere to be found, and he was wearing a snowsuit somewhere. Uh, cold. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would be a good day a, for the naked cowboy. So I so, played uh, an acoustic guitar in the middle of the winter with, you know, That would be fans. bad. Be, he needed heated guitar and heated <laughs> underwear. Um, All right. But uh, so so Guy Pranstetter, I want to thank you very much for uh, spending an hour with me today in Coach's Corner. It's been a very wonderful time and listening to your music. I hope everyone loved what they hear. And uh, again, if you are interested in hearing more, uh, learning more about Guy, you can go to StellarEgo.com or you can find the Stellar Ego on Facebook and go buy his album. iTunes, we're on iTunes, Bandcamp. I mean, if you just put Stellar Ego in Google, you'll find it in a hundred places. Great. So, absolutely. And uh, everyone, thanks for listening. And we'll be back here on Coach's Corner after Labor Day with a weekly show. And you can find me again at www.myfuturecoach.com. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash coachandrew. Thanks for listening and good night. <laughs>